Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone, welcome to the second episode of Rule the Roost. We are joined today, um, well, as ever I'm joined with Raj, my my faithful compadre. Hello Raj, how you doing? Siamese twins that were forever done together. <laughs> That'd be quite a beast, wouldn't it? Imagine, where, where would we get clothes? Forget the clothes, what happened with the parents? That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah, good, good shout. Um, and we're joined today by Roberto Kasabi, who is... One of the former, well, he was the lead member of Tottenham's social media team. So, hello, Roberto. How's it going? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Pleasure to be here. My first podcast, my debut. So, you know, hopefully it'll go well. Well, we're, we're honoured to be breaking you in for one, for one of a better phrase. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it'll go too well. Won't get subbed at half time. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I guess. We'll just give you the the platform to tell us a little more about yourself, Bert, and how you were involved with the club, what it was that you did uh, during your time there. Yeah, so I mean, uh, I went in um, to the club as sort of managing the social media. It was the first sort of role there um, where they wanted to sort of bring put a foundation in, I guess. Um, and yeah, I mean, my role there was to to do to do everything that involves social. So from uh, working with you know, the kit launches um, in pre-season, covering matches, home and away, which is pretty amazing as a Tottenham fan and an ex-season ticket holder and still a member. Um, Can't you suppose? Yeah, so it was pretty, um, pretty special um, at, at times, for sure. So, I mean, how did it lead up to that? I mean, I take it you you, you must have been working in social media in and around yeah. there. and uh... Yeah, that's right. Um, so, I mean, I'd worked at two other football clubs before, but um, on a sort of sports science and um, uh, the academy side, uh, I did a sports science degree um, at Everton and Preston at the time. Um, and then sort of got into digital, did a master's, um, worked at The Guardian for a tiny bit, um, and then worked in uh, for the British Heart Foundation, um, heading up social community, which is a bit a bit of a roundabout way um, of getting into it. Um, and then I started a football blog and sort of the, you know, the marriage of football and the social, which was still really new, um, sort of came together and, and, and the, the job sort of came to me and I sort of, you know, it was difficult to turn down a club that you <laughs> have wanted to play for since you were five years old. Um, unfortunately, um, it wasn't for a contract, um, but, um, but it was for that role. So it was pretty cool. That's what I was going to say. It's almost like, you know, if, if you're no good at football, yeah, then exactly. you're still signing for Spurs, you know. It's like, exactly. come on. Exactly. I've still got the um, still got the, uh, the the contract, as it were. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was, it was you know, it's a difficult one to turn down. Um, it was a, a hell of an experience, um, really sort of in the, in the middle of it. You know, the new training ground, which, you know, is incredible. Um, you know, literally, the, you know, the best in the world. Um, and so yeah, it was pretty pretty cool. It was an amazing sort of fourteen months. I guess yeah. I guess we'll get on to a bit more of the actual specifics about about your time there in particular and why you left a bit later on. But it was more just kind of wanted to get a bit of an understanding now about kind of Spurs and their involvement with social media. Because I mean, I think it was something that the club were crying out for 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 quite some time, and it it seems as though. I guess around your tenure, when you when you went in there, that it really started to change. I know that Man City. I mean, they're kind of the example that everyone seems to really herald a lot of the time. Um, really stand out for their social media presence, and I think you know Spurs. Did they indicate that they wanted to emulate something like that? I mean, what was their kind of remit to you? Yeah, I think. I mean, Man City, and they're good guys up there as well. I mean, it's weird when you're sort of you know. When you, on a professional level, when you meet all these different clubs and stuff, and you meet the people behind it, and, and Man City certainly 
um they're great people up there and they take it very 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 seriously digital not only social but digital generally um i mean yes i mean when i went in there it was it was basically to put in you know really focused sort of what we wanted to do with social and engage engage the fans and move slowly i mean football is a funny industry you know it is there's no there's not many industries like it um you know really impassioned fans but also just in the in the industry is quite a strange place um and so social is almost the uh kryptonite of for football clubs because it's open it's public it's uh you know not secretive um and that's a difficult thing i think for a lot of football clubs but some are better than others and you know it's like any company i guess um but it, we what we want what i wanted to do is to be you know the best in the premier league i mean we're not we, we wouldn't have the budgets for example you know of you know like the playing field we wouldn't have the budgets of man city or you know any of the top you know four from last season and maybe liverpool but but we could um match them on an engagement level of like really engaging our fans giving them something that they don't usually see um, respecting them as well, I think you know, and giving them a voice and appreciating that that social is giving everyone a voice, and so that's what I wanted to do is is beat every other club at engagement, not necessarily in numbers. Well, I think that's that's what's really interesting because at the moment, I think it, it, it's quite hard, I guess, where social media fits in with a football club because as much as you want to engage the fans and you know create that community aspect. At the same time, they're they're brands now as well, football yeah. clubs. So it's, I guess, they're quite a unique beast to to manage. So it it must pose quite a few problems in in that respect. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because it's not really like it's not the romantic view of football. I don't think you know, like you know, if you think about football clubs, what they used to be, what they you know should be, uh, but now in a sort of corporate world, they've sort of got to become these businesses mm. almost to survive and. Um, and I think I think it was. I'm going to take this as my quote, but I think someone from Barcelona said it actually. <laughs> um, the, the guy. So basically, football like, on Facebook, for example, loads of brands want millions of fans. But football clubs, and then they turn those you know consumers into fans. But for a football club, they've got millions of fans already, and they have to try to turn those fans into engaged people who might be consumers. And that's not a particularly romantic view of, of what 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 they want to do, but. I mean, Barcelona are probably the best in the world, and that's the sort of their strategy is to try to engage people ultimately to help the club survive and take on all the other big clubs who perhaps have a bigger financial backing, I guess. And any edge that you can get is is, is going to be utilised. It's not particularly romantic view of football, unfortunately. But um, you know, I think social is a scary thing for most businesses, and football clubs are probably even more scared than uh, than anyone else. I mean. Kind of in the in the day in day out, how how much do the club, you know, the people who say aren't as involved with the social media side of things, but obviously want updates from you about how it's going, <laughs> how much do they listen to? Because I'm I'm sure you must have gotten dogs abuse when you were working there, <laughs> kind of after you know after a bad result. Oh, you lot take my money, this and that. I mean, how much do the yeah. club respond to that kind of stuff? I mean, the one thing you need is is thick skin. I tell you, I mean, I mean, in the transfer window in August. Um, I remember saying like the season was starting seven days away, and I was like, oh, "How are we feeling? Seven days to come, and every single thing." <laughs> Buy a fucking striker. <laughs> exactly. I think that was that was Raj, wasn't it? It was, it was leading yeah. the charge. So it was all about that, and uh, so it's difficult. And I mean, this is just my view, and and it's funny, you know, like the you know Arsenal fans and Chelsea fans and Tottenham fans, all fans do it. They sort of troll other fans, and then it becomes a little story, and the Daily Mail might pick it up or. Or, you know, 100 great goals will make a story out of it. And the ironic thing about all that is every time a, uh, uh, opposition fans troll a club, it makes that club's internal um, people m- not want to do more engagement. So so you look at Arsenal, if they troll Tottenham, what that means, I, this is my view, is that the club will p- probably be a bit more conservative going forward because they don't want to see that again. So it actually hurts each club. I mean, but yeah, it was... It was bloody difficult um, when we lost I mean generally this season was a good season I mean you know I remember when we were you know the definition of mediocre and uh, and and this season what we, we didn't lose that many games really I mean some of them were really tough I mean you, you know losing 5-2 at Arsenal was really difficult and then being in the tunnel and you've got all of the Arsenal legends at the back there like walking around that's that's pretty difficult when you've got to try to tweet out stuff 
Oh, that's, um, that's a vision of hell. That must be like the second layer, is it? I guess second layer of Dante's yeah, Inferno. That's, like. Yeah, that's, that's pretty difficult. And then you get it. And then the thing is, is I guess, you know, and fans should have their opinion. It's, I guess, but if you're, a, if you're a professional social media manager, you need to have an incredibly thick skin. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, you certainly, um, you learn a lot of different ways to, to swear. Um, <laughs> that's certainly something I've learned. Uh, my language skills have certainly gone further towards uh, an 18 than it was before. Um, but, you know, that's what, that's what social gives. Social gives everyone a platform and some, you know, it doesn't really, you know, it's not socials. Social media isn't the reason that these people think that. It's just that it gives them a platform to say it. I can imagine there must have been still those times, though, when there, there must have just been that one person that consistently was kind of tweeting <laughs> stuff that you just thought... I would love to just as Tottenham just say, mate, <clears throat> fuck off. Like, seriously, just go away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the funny thing was is that people would say, I get it all the time. It's like, because it obviously took a while to, for us to start replying to people. And then, you know, and you get people, oh, my God, Tottenham are fucking replying. It's like, we've been doing that for six months. And then <laughs> and and then you say, and then or someone would say, oh, why don't you tell us about this? And then you tell them, and then you... You, you sort of try to put it, you don't want to be too smarmy or too sarcastic because obviously you're a brand and you need to be careful. But then you try to link to them where you have said it. I mean, people are generally quite lazy, like not football fans, but just people. And unless they're like the centre of everything, they, it, it becomes a bit difficult for them to, 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 to and they get angry really quickly. Um, but yeah, you get loads of that. I mean, you get it anywhere. But then as soon as they get replies, like, oh my God, Tottenham replied. Um, so it's a funny one. I mean, we're foot people are fickle, aren't they? So, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, it, I mean, I, as I said, like there was a lot of a lot of swearing. I learned a lot of you know. Uh, it's incredible how many people have swear words in their usernames, for example. <laughs> that's, that's something I learned. Um, but generally, it was good fun. Like you did, nothing really got too bad. You know, even when we lost, I mean, there was a lot of anger. But I think it was a good season, to be honest. It was a good season to. To, to to get out there and talk because you know imagine this like five or six years ago it might not have been as pretty so I'm, I'm assuming the club they actually they they do take in kind of what the general sentiment is around something I mean I guess not so much on terms of you know were you ever asked like oh what does everyone think about the formation we played last yeah. week but I mean yeah. more kind of like you know how, how are the fans feeling about how we're doing at the moment how things are going or would it always be centered on how are the fans feeling about these commercial kind of prospects that we're no, lining up no, no I think it's I mean you know one of the good things about social is you get to see like a mirror into you know into a group of people um, and and it's certainly like looked and heard what people were saying you know it wasn't it wasn't just in the commercial terms it, you know but in terms of playing terms I, that had no impact obviously I mean I don't I don't know you know I can't imagine Andre um, would particularly take Twitter's view on certain things um, particularly seriously as a professional manager but um, I was gonna say I think Tom Carroll would have seen a few more games if he did listen to Twitter yeah. wouldn't he yeah. Um, I mean, there you go. But in terms of like what what people were feeling, you know, I think that certainly was something that they listened to, like any football club would. I mean, there's no point being on on that on Twitter, for example, if you're not going to listen to to what people are saying. I mean, you have to. There's a big, you know, noise to signal issue with all sorts of issues, you know topics. So you just got to be careful. But yeah, I don't think it made too much of a difference in transfer policy. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I mean, wh- where do you see the future of it going? Um, I mean, I just pulled out a little, do my little stato thing before we, we started. So, um, in December 2011, there were just over a thousand football clubs around the world, professional football clubs that use Twitter. Mm. And there was a total of about 17 million people following all of these clubs. Um, now, December of last year, uh, there hasn't been that many more clubs actually registered, so there's about one and a half thousand, but there's now over 45 million people following football clubs all around the world, um, and I guess that figure is almost projected to double again. Um, I mean, where do you see the future of kind of social media and stuff going for a club like Spurs? Um, I think, I mean, on Twitter, football is, you know, the biggest their biggest topic um so music is second so music football is the, the biggest topic on that platform worldwide um and and so you know the the hunger is there what i you know in an ideal world it would mean more open clubs um you look at you know some of the you know european clubs uh, you know barcelona real madrid 
Italy as well, some of those clubs, how they treat it is much more of an open dialogue and much more sort of keeping people up to date on all sorts of transfers as well as like what's going on. Um, that might be cultural issues. Um, at Tottenham, I really don't know. I don't know what they want to do with it. Um, um, in the Premier League, I think you'll see, you know, I'm fully expecting Man United to be on there next year, which would be interesting. Um, I think Man City will continue to grow. Chelsea, you know, do a lot of good stuff on there as well. And the smaller clubs, Norwich are really good on there. Like, it's just sometimes the smaller clubs can get away with a bit more. Mm. More of a... Because there's not as much of that internal sign-off or internal sort of bureaucracy, perhaps. Um, nobody cares about the smaller clubs, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no one notices. Whereas, you know, the top six... No, that's not true. But um, well, it kind of is. Um, but there's... Um, um, you know, I think I well, what I would like to see it. I would like to see it at the heart of everything the club does. I'd like to see it as you know, you. I would like to see an official Twitter account, you know, at Tottenham or any club, be the place that fans go because they know they're going to get honesty and they're going to get the truth. You know, there's obviously some things that can't be shared, but as soon as it should should be shared, that's where it should be shared first. That's what I think. I mean, whether or not that happen, I don't know, but. Um, you know, football is a funny, funny place, you know, but, but, you know, you never know. I think maybe, you know, somewhere like Man City might do it, but you know, I don't know what their new sort of corporate structure is like now with the new sort of chairman, uh, the new um, chief executive or whatever it is. So we'll see. But um, I think just better engagement. I think a lot more use of video, you'd imagine. Um, and, and, and yeah, being more honest, because, I mean, most fans don't go to their football club's websites because they're going to get the truth um, or they know they're going to get engagement. They're going there because, you know, for tickets mainly or kit or whatever. They're not going to go to the club's website to find out the latest news for the most part because clubs don't want to put their latest news on there for the most part. But I have to say, and this is a little bit, it hurts me a little bit to say it, Arsenal's website is probably the best in the Premier League. Uh, and it's probably the most honest as well. Right, well, we're going to end the conversation there, Roberto. Yeah, nice yeah. having you. Yeah, nice having you, mate. Don't let the door hit you. Yeah, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Keeping it all strictly professional, I know. Yeah, um, I, I mean, to to talk about other clubs, I mean, I know Man City seem to be the object of everyone's desire, but I, I saw an interesting thing that they were doing. I don't know if they rolled it out last season or they're going to be doing it this year, um, whereby they get fans to tweet, say, at half-time with the hashtag BlueView, and they'll mm. show their tweets on, like, the, the Titan Tron, whatever you call it, the stupid yeah. name for the big TVs in the in the stadiums. Um, and obviously, I can imagine those are filtered, do you know what I mean? But at the yeah. same time, I just think that kind of level of engagement's pretty good as well, how you can have people not just kind of projecting themselves across the internet, that their views that they are sending from Twitter could be seen in the stadium and it, I guess it gets other people kind of reacting to what they're saying. And so yeah. I just think there's a, there's a big scope, isn't there, for what, what can be achieved with it. Yeah. And also like the LEDs across the stadium, you know, I mean, it's difficult because everyone, all that, all, every single bit of that is almost real estate. So if you're not using it for an ad advertisement where you're going to get money from, then sometimes people don't want to do it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but Fulham also do that as well, um, where they ask for views and you know, um, and what what they what they what sort of what they think of the game and whatever. Um, and in in some other countries like Berlin, I mean not, but I think it's Berlin. I know uh, Schalke maybe they've got in the, on the tunnel in the tunnel where the players walk out. They've got like a Twitter wall uh, where the players can walk out and, and see positive, obviously tweets <laughs> about what they are. You and, don't you know, deserve to wear the shirt, you yeah. useless bastards. <laughs> Yeah, where did she, yeah, where that at Tottenham. Someone's going to have to blindfold William Gallas every time he walks oh, into man. the tunnel. He's been released now, hasn't he? So it's, it's all good. Um, well, but, uh, just just be out of bio then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe if he's uh, yeah. Um, but um, but you know, I think that the the, the in, like offline to on um, to real life is certainly something I think you could do, and it's not even that difficult. There's a lot of stuff on that you could do that isn't difficult. Mm. Um, um, like the example you give, um, you know. Like, I mean, the biggest issue for most football clubs is Wi-Fi in stadiums. It's just, it's just that is the biggest issue because that you can't get Wi-Fi. You can't, you know, you can't get internet reception. I mean, you can't get mobile reception for the most part. You can't do anything because if you sorted that issue out, there'd be a lot more problem. I know Liverpool are looking at Wi-Fi in their stadium. I'm, I think Man City are, um, you know, I'm sure Tottenham will if they ever, if we ever move to a new stadium, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. So that's, that'll be a big moment, I think, if 
if you know unlimited sort of Wi-Fi was in stadium. I mean, it'll be incredibly, you know, it could go both ways, but um, but it'll certainly mean that a lot more engagement can happen at the match. It's a good point you raise, and please, any Spurs fans that are listening, just just bear that in mind. Just think about how bad the reception is before you start cheering phantom goals at the end of the season again you know like at least if we do get wi-fi we won't have any of these mix-ups with alan sugar or whoever else telling us that we've there's been goals elsewhere oh god don't i can't even think about it yeah, anyway. <laughs> so I, I guess you know because you had this uh almost unrestricted access to the club did you did you get to talk to the players much themselves yeah, I mean, you know, again, it's a weird one, you know, they, they were just a, in a normal office, they're just another department, they're the playing department, <laughs> you know I mean? which is a weird thing to get your head around. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't proclaim to know any of them particularly well, but I, you know, spoke to some of them more than others and um, not for any reason, just because you build a rapport, I guess, with, you know, others and there's obviously a lot of them. Um, generally, uh, in a, they're all good lads. They're not particularly, you know, there's no big shots really. There's no, there's no, you know, I'm sure all of them have got egos because they're, you know, you can't be a footballer at that level without one. But they're none, they're all polite, you know, and and some of them have got great banter, and and some of them, you know, are more to keep themselves themselves. But I mean, I've probably spoke to Kyle Walker and Gareth probably the most. Um, on the playing side, so you know, in terms of those two, you know. Fantastic guys, uh, you know. Obviously, Kyle had probably a bit of a up and down season compared to the season before, but he's still very young, and uh, you know it's difficult. You take a different view of the players when you know some of them a bit more. It's quite it's quite strange. Um, and Gareth, I mean, Gareth is it's probably one of the most down to earth footballers I've ever met in my life. Um, <laughs> he's um, you know I don't know him in any way really apart from a professional point of view, but very good guy. You know, very you know, obviously incredible what he does, um, but always time for you, and and really sort of, you know, would would you know always do live tweets with for me and 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 whatever else or or competitions, and he was always professionally good to work with. Um, Jan is the same as well. I didn't work with him as much, and Hugo is a fantastic guy as well. You know, really smart. I mean, he's one of those people who probably would have been, you know, if he wasn't a footballer, would have been a professional tennis player or a businessman who's a millionaire or something. He's a really, really nice chap um, and very, very humble as well. Um, and that was... Shouldn't be French well. at the end of the day, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, imagine it. He's, he's, he's debunking loads of myths. Um, <laughs> and uh, and you forget how young they are. I mean, Kyle Walker's, what, 23? And it's like, for fuck's sake... Um, uh, it's it's really strange. Um, he's old. What are you on about? <laughs> not as old as I am. Well, he's older. Than, he's much younger than I am. Which makes me feel great. Um, but yeah, they're, they're good guys. I mean, Mr. Dembele as well. Really, really good guy. Um, again, these are the only people that I spoke to more often. Um, um, I've, I've always thought he looks a bit scary, Dembele. He always looks really focused. Uh, no, like... He's like, it's really, he's like the softest like chap. He's just a really nice guy. He's just really laid back. Um, yeah, he's just a, he's a really good guy. I mean, th- th- but to be honest, none of them were ever sort of rude. Um, you know, it's you know they you know it's a funny world that they live in. But um, but yeah, they're all good guys, and they all seem to get on really well. You know, the new training ground is incredible, and that helps I think because the facilities are amazing. So you get to see them a bit more, have lunch with them, and whatever. I I, th- I think again to t- to tie into the kind of social media aspect, I think this is why. It's really helpful. Um, the players sometimes been on there. I know clubs aren't generally fond of the the players having social media access, but at the same time, it does bring out that human side of them. I think it's it's very easy when people are on the terraces. You know, I mean, some of the stuff you hear shouted at people like, you know, yeah. when you're down on the east stand and you see someone like Carl Walker who's running up and down, running himself into the ground, but still maybe having a bad game, and you can hear people say, "Oh, you're fucking useless. You're this. You're that," and shouting all this like, you know, horrendous abuse at him. You. There is also, you know, I, I understand people get caught up in the moment of it. You know, they've paid their money to go and watch it and they expect these people to go out and put on a brilliant performance week in, week out. But I do think a lot of the time people do lose that understanding that, you know, it's, it's just a young lad, you know, he's... Yeah. I mean, it's a funny thing as well, isn't it? Like, I think there's a movement in, like, rightly in some ways, in supporters about sort of being disfranchised from football clubs and that that obviously moves towards the players as well. 
being less connected. You know, the long gone are the days, you know, in the 70s and 80s where, you know, you'd see, you know, the players taking, you know, public transport or whatever and hanging out with the fans. That would never happen now, really. Um, unless you're like uh, some sort of yes, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> unless uh, unless you're a beautiful woman, I don't think the players are going to hang around with you too much. <laughs> um, but that, I think that what that's meant is that the fans feel that they're even less connected with the players, and so as soon as and obviously the, the the increase in prices and the increase in just life, you know how much that costs means that I think fans feel that they, you know, there's almost a resentment to an extent. I, I don't know if that, I don't think that's for everyone, but in the heat of the moment, sometimes that could come out. But, but it, it, you know, I don't think any, you know, none of the players at Tottenham anyway, I don't think they, when they play, I think they, they do their best and they try and, and they really do want to be, the, you know, the best they can be. And, and a lot of them are developing. And, ment- I mean, to be honest, mentally, uh, some of them must have, you know, incredible mental skills because to be able to go out in front of that many people and get a dog's abuse, I mean, I can't imagine it. And then when you're not playing well, um, I think that's a side of the game that people don't really, you know, appreciate. I mean, that's certainly one of the things that's going to separate someone being, you know, a pro and not. I mean, it's like Jake Livermore, for example, like, you know, you, you know, I never, I don't really know him that well at all, but he's obviously someone who isn't, he's not, you know, as good as some of the other players technically, but he's obviously got a real mental strength that he just thinks he deserves to be there and he, and he wants to be a pro and same with other players. Sometimes it's not the best player that will make it, but sometimes the strongest mentally that will make it because, because they can switch off everything else and just get involved. I, mean, I don't know how they do it, to be honest, especially at that young an age. Um, exactly, man. I mean, I, I get a bit of negative feedback on like a YouTube video I've put out and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to give it all up. I start, you know, I, I well up. I'm in a ball in my room, <laughs> rocking back and forth. And I know. Well, I'm gonna tonight's gonna be a difficult one when this goes out. Whenever this podcast goes out, I don't think I'll, I'm gonna be under the radar for a bit, just in case. Yeah. Got, oh, nobody listens to it, so yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I know he'll be Raj leading it, leading leading the abuse. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess well, uh, as well as the players, you you must have had quite a lot of contact with. Uh, with the coaching staff, I mean, did you did you ever meet his his sexiness, Andre Villas-Boas? Uh Yeah, you know, he was. I was lucky enough to sort of you know be around him quite a lot. Were you lucky enough uh, to touch him? No, um, I, <laughs> I touched him. I think I shook his hand many a time. Did you smell him? Uh, no, I didn't smell him. <laughs> Why not? Uh, I don't know. Usually, I mean, usually just come off the training ground. I mean. It's not for this podcast, oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I met him. Obviously, I saw him every day, um, and um, again, I wouldn't, put, 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 you know, say that I know him as a person that well. But he was always very, you know, I obviously watched him like training and coaching, and you know, lucky enough to watch them like train every day, pretty much. And um, and you know, that was really interesting for me as someone who who enjoys that sort of side of football. Um, and he's a really good guy. I mean, I, you know, it's. He's genuinely a great guy and, you know, um, watching him, he was very polite with me always, with every member of staff. And when I left, he sort of signed, I had this photo um, and he signed it and left a, a really nice message. I mean, he can speak like, what, 15 languages or whatever it is. Um, so, I, you know, he can speak in Italian, he can, you know, I can speak a bit of Italian and so... So that, you know, he, he was just an interesting character and I think he's very smart and he's very intelligent and sometimes in football and in, and in England maybe, sometimes we, we're a bit um, worried about people that are intelligent and foreign <laughs> and, um, and I get it all the time as my accent doesn't give away. It's like the Daily Mail's nightmare, isn't it? Intelligent yeah. and foreign, what's going on here? <laughs> And um, but yeah, he's a great guy. I mean, you know, all of his coaching staff are. I mean, and you've got you know Stefan Freund, who's perhaps the nicest man in the world, um, who who is genuinely one of the warmest people I've ever met. He's always he always really really you know happy and, and brings a real bounce to the club. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was you're privileged to, to to get to know them. I mean, you know, I've got photos of me with Stefan Freund when I was a kid. And now, you know, he was, you know, I got to shake his hand every day. So, and watch him coach. And, and that was a real privilege for sure. I just, uh, you know, I'm I'm just kind of drifting off there as you're talking about it. Not in a negative way, to please don't tell it in the wrong way. I just mean more in the kind of sense yes. of like, 
It's just, oh, it sounds just like, sounds like, like a dream. competition. It doesn't sound like a full time job. <laughs> Mate, it like, you got paid for that. Like, a, f- a friend of mine once won the chance to play on the pitch at White Hart Lane. And I can remember just being excited. Like, I get to walk out down the tunnel. I get to sit in the manager's chair. This is amazing. Oh, look, there's, there's, there's Paul Allen there. I'll go and shake Paul Allen's hand. Yeah. I never saw him play or anything, but that's Paul Allen. He's like, <laughs> he used to play for Spurs. And I just I cannot imagine doing doing what it is that you've done. Like it, it just must have been amazing. I mean, it was interesting. Like, um, as I mean, I think as I said, you know, I've worked at a few football clubs before, and 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 you know, obviously not the clubs that I'd supported, but I've been lucky enough to sort of be at that side and 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 get used to it. And I guess for me, it was you know, I wanted to be professionally. You know, I wanted to make make a real mark and. And you have to kind of switch off for that. I mean, now I can maybe appreciate it a bit more and look back and think, oh, yeah, that's a good memory. That was a great memory. But at the time, you sort of, it's funny how you say you sort of get used to it and it just becomes normal. Hmm. Um, and, you know, when you're doing, when you've got a job to do, you don't really think about it in those ways. Um, but now, you know, now I've, you know, I've been gone for two, six weeks or so, it's, it's much easier to sort of look back and maybe appreciate it. You probably, you know, as a, as a fan again, rather than, you know, I'm going to work. Um, and that was that was a really that's really nice for me right now, and I'm looking forward to next season a lot in terms of being able to enjoy the club from a from the outside again, um, uh, and as a fan. I guess not to not to pry too much. No, don't want to put you in an awkward position, but I mean, it, it, was that kind of part of the conflict that you were a fan and maybe not enjoying the work side as much? Um, that kind of I don't know motivated you to leave or. Um, I think um, it was a real, it was really a professional decision. I think um, I could have, you know, I'm sure, you know, I hope that I could have stayed there for a long time, you know, in terms of, you know, my performance and whatever. But I think it came to a point where professionally an opportunity came up um, at an organisation which wanted to be the best in the world at, at social media. And, uh, and that was something that, you know, I sort of thought about and, and it was just an opportunity to to to, to maybe to move out of, of that, and and it's an intense environment. Like you know, it's twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, every day of the year. You know, something is going on in football, um, and and I think yeah, it was just a professional decision. I think now I can enjoy the club more um, uh, as a fan again. Um, but it was an interesting experience, and it was certainly something that I always wanted to do. Um, but I think so I had to be a bit more of an adult. I think kind of to make it. <laughs> Decision, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, um, and I think it was probably the right one for me, anyway. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to next season. I'm really looking forward. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot; we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. To, you know, seeing what we do in the next five, ten years and, you know, the new stadium in the future, whenever that is. Um, I think it'll be a great time. It's a great time to be a Spurs fan. I mean, you know, I, I don't know, last five, six years, I think, you know, compared to when I started sporting Spurs, and we had Jason Dezel uh, and uh, and the likes of uh, uh, Jason Dezel, Neil Fenn, Stuart N- Nevercott. Uh, oh, I hear you, man. I hear you. <laughs> um, so kind of, you kind of need to take a moment. So I'm just looking forward to enjoying, hopefully, some new signings and uh, the current crop of players we've got, to be honest. I guess... Uh... With that side of stuff, like signings and things, how quickly were you kept in the loop about about that kind of info? 
Um, I wouldn't say like I wouldn't say particularly like um, before any announcement. To be honest, it's quite a difficult. You know, like any organisation, there's obviously like levels of uh, how privy you are to that information, and I can't imagine I was too high up, unfortunately, um, in that in that list. But you know, obviously, we'd find out a little bit before uh, to get prepared, um, and, and that's how it works. Like any organisation, really. Um, um, and then you'd find out, and then and you sort of you try to do your thing. Um, I'm sure other people would know before I did, without a doubt. So, um, and you know, now you know, I'm looking forward to how it will work next season and how what who we're going to bring in because I mean, I'm sure everyone knows thinks you know knows that we need to bring in a couple of players. Um, uh, so it'd be interesting to see how that works and who they are really. Obviously, taking out the the, the aspects of it being completely career suicide, there must have been that. Was there ever just that little temptation just to like just stick out there? Spurs have had a bid accepted for Leo Messi. Do you yeah. know what I mean just from the official Tottenham account and just yeah. see, no, just well, watch Twitter explode? Yeah, could you imagine? Um, but they, I mean, uh, other fans did it for us. I mean, I remember my first week, someone like photoshopped this image um, and it went round Twitter. I, I was getting text messages. It was when we drew, I think, with West Brom, one all at home, and um, it said. Uh, it was like full time Tottenham one, uh, West Brom one. Dot dot dot. We are truly shit. That was <laughs> that was the tr- that was the Photoshop of, uh, and that went round. That went round. I was getting text messages from friends saying, "Is everything all right? Have you um, have you gone rogue? Have you gone?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "No, we weren't even that shit. We we well, we, you know." Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, I can't imagine. I mean, there's some things you can imagine, you know, that would be career suicide to put on there. Um, and um, Daniel Levy is a prick. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that might just be suicide in general, but yeah, he, he looks quite scary. <laughs> yeah, no, I never, I never really met him to be honest, so I couldn't really say. But um, but yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. Yeah, he's he's not someone that you'd want to shake his hand and smell. <laughs> right. Sloppy with the back of his hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we've kind of digressed there a bit, haven't we? I yeah. don't know how we've got onto the the sniffing Daniel Levy, but we're there, we're there. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> much. I mean, I, I, I guess you know when you when you recount your your time there. Um, I mean, what would you say it was that that stood out for you as as a club? Because I know that now there's there's the whole kind of the the. I think the fans feel really separate. I'm, I'm speaking well from my from on my own behalf and just kind of what I see on Twitter and stuff. A lot of the fans they feel like they're not really a part of the club anymore. That it's like the club do this and we follow and that's it. And you know, unless we show this unwavering support, we're not real supporters. But I, I think that yeah, you know, social media has gone a long way to kind of addressing that. But at the same time, there's still these kind of fundamentals that leave the fans often feeling quite alienated. Um, and I mean, just from your side, I mean, kind of, I guess the people you were kicking up to when you were there, I mean, were you given a clear idea of how it was you were supposed to be handling the fans? I mean, how much of it was your independent kind of direction and how much of it was you have to keep within this constraint, you have to act in this way? Uh, sorry. I think, um, I think, yeah, I think it's certainly a, a football-wide issue, isn't it? Really, you know, you saw the the, the supporters' marches on the other day uh, in London. You know, the Tottenham supporters' trust were there, uh, and whatever. And I think it's a well. I think it's an issue, you know, across across all football clubs, especially the big clubs. Um, and it's really, I think, it's difficult for the fans and it's difficult for the club. And I think certainly the way I was sort of had to deal with it was, you know, is try to engage people in the right way. But sometimes it was just impossible to do it, and and I didn't have necessarily the remit to do that. Um, but but I think it's it's a difficult one because I'm not sure what's going to happen next. I don't know how you know some people you know at the march that there was you know the other day about ticket prices and whatever in London. You know people were saying you know if, you know if this is what it's going to be like this you know your children are not going to see football matches because you'll be priced out and stuff. And I don't know. I mean I don't know what's going to happen with football because football is. He's got such an impassionate group of fans that, and and for Spurs, we've got a stadium that you know is easily filled. You know the most, you know the highest percentage of the gate is filled in the Premier League every season, or especially last season. Um, what's going to happen? Maybe it'll change when the new stadium comes in. If it comes in, I don't know. But 
but I don't know. I, I just I, I'm not sure what can change. Uh, I think more engagement across those those channels. Um, fan, you know, the only way I think I guess it will change is, is in terms of those fan ownership schemes. You know, like you see in Germany, but but could I see that in England? I'm not, I don't think so. I think we're going certainly the other way more than that way. Um, if you look around the sort of big clubs in England versus Germany, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's just no. No comparison there, and it, like you say, it, it is really just going completely the other way, isn't it? Away from that, I think, as well with a with a new stadium, I, I can't see it bringing us any closer to to the club. I don't know. It's it's a difficult one. I mean, I think you know the football clubs want to compete uh, 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 on a you know, especially a club like Spurs, you know, who you know we have obviously revenue and stuff, but in terms of you know we haven't got an oligarch. Uh, owner and so it's not going to just like we're going to spend in within our means and and I think that's the right thing to do um but but that also means that you know the club have to try to become more of a business like most football clubs do and if you do that then you lose that sort of club feel I think and that starts to bring a gap I mean I you know it sounds you know I would say this because I work in social but social as you said can bring that sort of gap and that engagement together uh, but I think there needs to be a lot more as well from a from a from a, a fan engagement point of view. And it's good to have stuff like you know organisations like the Supporters Trust. I think that's a really important organisation to to support because they do have a voice with the club. Obviously, they you know have a I think there's a mandate to meet every every season. Um, you know whether or not what whether or not that can do any any real change, I don't know. But at least it's you know something there to have an access point. I think that's important. I just think it's good as well that the the club are starting to finally harness social just as a means of, I mean, I think there was always an element that people sometimes felt it was just a kind of commercial avenue, but now that it seems to be, you know, that there's a lot more responses coming on to, to people and so on and so yeah. forth. Although not, not to have a knock at the new bloke, whoever he is, but there's there's been quite a lot recently of, you know, US centered stuff that I think is, it's, it's, Particularly got on my back up, to be honest, but I know it has quite a few other people's as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one. I think I don't. I think that. I think it's interesting to see what's going to happen. I think obviously, you know, how that 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 role and that position, the person who manages that, is going to be different to you know when I was there. You know, the role has changed somewhat as well. Um, you know, I don't know who is you know necessarily saying what needs to be done on that channel anymore. Mm. Um, you know, it certainly wasn't saying that you know that I did when I was there, and it, I don't think it was necessarily was right for the channel. There's other ways to engage that sort of those supporters, um, but but yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be a difficult one next season. I think it's going to be interesting to see what what happens. Do you ever have a look at the um, the tweets the official accounts putting out now that you're not in charge of it? <laughs> just kind of go, oh, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's a yes. Uh, that's a yes. That's, yeah, no, I, I, I do. I still follow it, um, but it's a bit like your ex girlfriend, isn't it? It's like you don't want to you don't want to sort of see what she's doing on Facebook, but you kind of you kind of want to see it, and you kind of like then kind of think oh what the fuck's he, what what's going on what is she doing with him yeah. <laughs> but um no i'm joking but um no i do follow them and I, I think i'm looking forward to how they'll deal with like you know with the matches and stuff you know and 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 how they can maybe bring that onto a new level and hopefully i'm sure they've got the right person to do that to bring that match experience because at the end of the day you know the, the main thing people want from that channel i think generally is news about the club tra- like transfer news especially um, a bit of an insight into the players, but you know the players can do that to an extent on their channels, and the match, the match experience, you know, like bringing people to 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 have a real experience who aren't at the game um, to to be involved, um, and the match update. Certainly, the, my the best bit about the job when I was there was the matches. Like that was you know the, the most fun because you know you were there watching it up live and you could you could do it and and you know try to to really express what was going on for people that are not the game, and I think that was. I, you know, I tried to we tried to do it in a way which didn't feel like a club feed, but more of a you know a feed that told you what was going on, um, you know, without being you know negative, as it were. And a bios just missed again. God, he's shit. Yeah. Yeah, like... 
Although I don't actually, I don't actually think that. Just as a disclaimer, I actually really like Adebayo. But yeah, he does a job. He's a good guy as well, Adi. Um... It's, it's not you that hacks his phone all the time, is it, Roberto? And <laughs> 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 no, it's not me. Not not publicly. No. Did you ever get? Did you ever have to? Um, what well, probably probably won't have been you that ever talked to players, but did you ever have to grass any of them in, like because the, the account follows them? Did you ever see someone um, no. post someone? Well, like, just saying, yeah, I mean, it was a difficult one because obviously, you know, you try to speak to, um, you try to speak to the players to make sure they do things in the right way and stuff. And like any, like I, you know, like any social media manager in any organisation, you'll have, you know, meetings and you'll sort of talk to people and staff at an organisation and say, this is not how you use social, this is how you do it. But, you know, uh, for me, it was a bit of a double, a difficult one because obviously I was trying to do a job with them and like try to get them involved in some of the stuff that I wanted to do. Um, so, I mean, generally, you know, they're, they're, it's not as bad as other clubs. It's not as, none of them say too much that are out there. Um, but certainly we obviously keep, keep an eye on, on what they said. And, and it's more of an ignorance thing more than anything else. It's more that, you know, they don't know sometimes what they're saying, but I don't think we had too many issues with it. There's a couple here and there, I think, but less than most clubs, I think. Uh, all I can say is, you know, I had a little altercation with one of our youth team players once after he was he was congratulating um, one of the Arsenal ladies on, on, I think she scored a goal or something. And I, I just sent out a generic kind of, you shouldn't be congratulating Arsenal, mate, type thing. Um, at which point, you know, he got really like, who the, you know, who the fuck are you? Who is this? Blah, 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 blah. He, he really reacted badly to me. Um, and then he was since released, so I like, <laughs> to, th- I like to think that uh, you know my uh, <laughs> my social media presence did that. You know, it was like yeah, you can't you can't say that. There's a campaign. There's a campaign. <laughs> I think a- I don't want to tell you how to do your job or anything, but I think had I been in your position and been in charge of social media at Tottenham, the way I would have started my day was I would have put the official feed on my phone. I'd have walked out and I'd have given it as to a card and I'd have gone, there you go, mate. Rest it there. <laughs> as you were. <laughs> Wanted to do that, actually. Wanted to do a little takeover for a day where a player just takes it over and, like... Can you imagine what he gets up to? Yeah, Who, I mean, Benny? Benny. I don't, I, don't, I don't really know Benny that well. I didn't speak to him that much, but, I mean, he's ridiculously cool. Like, <laughs> you know, he, he's just really cool. Um, but I never really uh, spoke to him. Did too- you never like catch him outside the training ground, right corner, smoking a bifter before training or something? <laughs> <laughs> I him doing. No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> no, he's just a cool. He's he's one of those guys that's really cool, and it's it's like it makes you think that you're not as cool. Um, but um, but yeah, I wanted to do that. I wanted to do like um, a day in the life, and like maybe even get video involved, where you know, like you know, get something like that. But um, it's difficult finding the time, you know, like, and, and we were traveling so often and the players obviously, you know, at the end of the day, social isn't, <laughs> isn't their main job and their priority. <laughs> um, so um, it was a difficult one, but um, yeah, it was certainly something we wanted to do, you know, even have like cameras on, uh, on training, like, you know, like, but. Not to get back onto City, but they've got tunnel cam, haven't they? And it's like watching Big Brother when you go on there afterwards because yeah. you've got other players walking back in. It's a bit strange. It's a funny one. I'm not a fan of tunnel cam, I'm going to say it out loud. Like, a lot, like, I think it's great that you get that insight, but I just think it's a bit... I think I think there's some moments, like the end of... You know when they won the league? I think that was really interesting, that one. But like most of the part, it's like them just people walking in. Uh, um, I think, and it's really long. Um, but but I think it's it's interesting that a lot of people love it, and I think there's a you know it's a, an interesting argument to have it. But but they've got a massive tunnel area. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been on a, like a Tottenham tour at the, at the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know our tunnel's pretty tiny, like in terms of like most football clubs are, um, and theirs is massive. Like you've got the massive entry sort of like so you can get away with it. It's probably not many clubs that could get away with it actually. Wembley I think could, but I don't think there's many others that can. Where or find literally find the space to do it because after a game you've got all sorts of people behind there, like you know obviously all staff and whatever people coming in and out, um, but. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there's something up the sleeve for next season. I, I have no idea, but but yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I the reason I, I, tunnel I, I, cam was so good was because uh, well, it's probably dropped in quality now since Balotelli's left. Yeah, but he used to walk on. He used to come back in after five minutes, have a drink, come back in, have someone tie his shoelace, go back out again. It was just amazing. It was just you wouldn't want to watch any other players because they were quite normal. It was just yeah, him exactly. wandering in and out in states of undress. 
I kind of hate it a bit because the one that always seems to get flagged with me as a related video on YouTube is after when City, well, I think it, when they beat us 3-2, wasn't it, with that Balotelli yeah, uh, penalty at the end. And there's just the video of them all running back in celebrating and Gareth Bale just walking back looking so dejected saying, oh, for fuck's sake. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, it's horrible. It's not nice yeah, to watch. It's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's also really, I mean, it's really easy. I mean, it's just literally a standing camera. <laughs> it's not, you know, that's <laughs> just a continuous loop. Um, but I mean, they're, they're, I, I, the only one I've ever, I've watched some of them, like, but the only one I've watched, I think, in full was probably when they won the league, when they beat QPR, because then obviously QPR had like quite a few Man City players and Mark Hughes was the manager. And, uh, and, and it was weird, uh, you know, that was before I'd worked, I think I was, yeah, it was before I was at Spurs. Um, and and so that was that was the only one I found interesting because you could see some of the relationships with the players and and, and stuff like that and uh, Sean Wright Phillips and you know people like that who were obviously at City for a long time and were playing for you know you saw maybe their normal side because you know their club as it were even though they were for a different club were won the league in such circumstances but yeah I mean I'm, I don't know I don't know what it'd be like at Spurs I don't know maybe they'll you never know who they might have something up their sleeve next year so I. Guess just a few quick ones to wrap it up then, Roberto. Cool. Um, I mean, in terms of youth players, who who would you say stood out when you were kind of if you were at one of the one of the yeah. youth team games? I mean, I was quite lucky to watch watch most of the under twenty one games this season, um, and uh, some of the next gen games. I wrote. Let me just check. I wrote a blog on this, so I'm just going to check what I said, just so I don't like say something and then I've, uh, I've lied to myself somewhere else. <laughs> um, but I mean, the best the person who I think certainly. I thought was very good and I found interesting was um, Milos Velkovic. Um, he's um, a youngster. He's only 17, I think. Um, he sort of plays... He, I've seen him play centre midfield and centre back. Um, very elegant on the ball. Very young. Sort of still sort of filling out, as it were. Um, but very, very mature for his age. Really comfortable on the ball. Can pop it off. Really recycles it. Um, rarely loses the ball. He played a lot of games last season, and I think towards the end of the season, because uh, he played next gen and under twenty ones at seventeen, sixteen, seventeen. It's quite a lot, and he um, he um, he's certainly one to watch. I think he's um, he's certainly a good player. I'd like to see like to see what he does. Maybe I think he's one to to keep an eye on. Um, Massimo Longo as well. Um, again, another centre midfielder. Um, he um, is very neat on the ball can play sort of defensive midfield and more of an attacking role. Rarely loses the ball. Great left foot. Um, can really pick out a pass, but, but also puts himself about a bit. Um, and uh, he was always impressive. Um, positional sense as well was really good. I think he's a bit older. I think he's Australian. Um, uh, but yeah, he's certainly, I don't know. I mean, it's difficult to know if they'll make it at Tottenham because obviously we've got so many players, you know, that are, are very good, but he's certainly someone I liked. Um, Especially Jordan, so many central midfielders as well, yeah, don't they? Exactly. Jordan Archer was another one who's a keeper, who's online at Wickham, saw him training, he's a and he's you know placed the under twenty one, the Scotland under twenty ones. And he's an interesting prospect. But you know, at the same time, you know, you've got Hugo who's twenty five, he could certainly be you know, he could be a cut he could be our first team goalkeeper ten years. Um but he's someone who's interesting. Um Bentaleb as well, Bentaleb, um, who uh he's again, I think he's about seventeen, eighteen. Um he the, uh, he didn't play too many games that I saw, but he came on a lot, and he was he's very elegant midfield. He reminds me a bit of a technically a bit like uh, uh, Tarapt, not in the tricks, but just in the way that he moves. I was going to say not just being an awful human. <laughs> no, no, and yeah, exactly, not just being not thinking he's going to Real Madrid, um, and um, but in the way he moves, he's got this sort of um, sort of a style about him. Um, but he's um, he scored a fantastic goal for um, against Man United under twenty ones um, when we beat them, I think four two. Um, and uh, yeah, he was interesting. I mean, you know, he's you know some of them train with the first team um, as well. And then you've got you know people that are maybe a bit younger who are again a little bit much more raw, like um, like Shaquille Goulthurst, who obviously has got loads of headlines for what he did against Barcelona in the next gen. Um, but I think it's, I mean, for me, I wouldn't like to comment just because he's obviously, you know, ridiculously young, you know, point of his development. But 
but you know, and you never know what could happen to players at that age who move on. Maybe. I mean, he could turn into Harry Kane, and then he'd be fuck all used to anyone. <laughs> yeah, they Kane. I tell you, I've seen. I've seen. It's funny when you watch the under twenty ones because um, Kane is a. I mean, he dominates at that level. Absolutely dominates physically and and like you know, in all senses of the word, like uh, he he dominates. But and he's still, I think, twenty one. Um, I mean, you know, it's a difficult one as a striker, I think, when you're younger. I think it's really, I think it's probably harder than other positions. Um, those... I disagree. I think striker's the one position where if you're young, you've got an advantage because nobody knows anything about you. Yeah, I think it's difficult to break through, though, because I think, like, if you look at someone like um, like Kane or, or even Goulthurst, you know, Kane's a big lad. Like, he's surprisingly big like and quite physically big. Um, but in terms of the pace, I think pace starts to become a bit of an issue. And, 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 you know, unless you're someone like, you know, when Ray Rooney came on the stage at 17 and, he, you know, did what he did. Um, Michael he, Owen. Yeah, you, you, there's very few that, you know, I think you have to be pretty special. I mean, strikers, I think. Gareth Bale. De- 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 yeah, he plays on the left, doesn't he? That's what I heard. <laughs> I thought it was on the right. Or, yeah. I don't know, who knows. <laughs> But um, but I, those are the, probably the players that I saw. I really like Milos, though. I thought he was a good player. Nathan Byrne, who's he's not at the club anymore. Um, I think he'll be a very good pro. Um, he's a right back. Uh, he was probably one of the most consistent players in the twenty ones last year. Very quick, good, good going forward, good going backwards. Um, but you know, he's. I think he's going. I think he's at Swindon now. And, and yeah, good luck to him because he was he was very consistent. And I think for some of these players, you know, you want them to do well at Spurs, and we want the next Ledley King, don't we? And we want the next. You know, player that comes through the ranks, and hopefully we will. But we yeah. have he's called Stephen Corker. Have you not met him? Uh, Stephen Corker, exactly. Stephen, uh, who? Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because he was at Yeovil for so long, um, and I think what last season was his, he made his debut last season, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is a weird one, but yeah, he's. I mean, he's, he's a great guy as well. Very grounded. He's only twenty. Yeah, he's a good grounded. player. I've got to correct the air though, Raj. Ledley, he is not. I'm sorry, man. Seeing the way Ledley burst on at the same time as Colker, he was a cut above, man. It's exactly the opposite to the striker scenario. I was saying, like, strikers can come in when they're 17, 18 and blitz defenders because they don't know anything about them, whereas a, a defender's got to learn what he's doing and they don't come into their prime yeah, until definitely. they're 28. Um, I think, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I mean, it's it's a, it's a football. You know, I think I mean, when I did my sports science degree, I think I read a study. It's like in Premier League clubs, I think one point eight percent of of players in academies make it professional across all academies in, in in England. And so, you know, it's a you know the it's the elite that really make it. And sometimes it doesn't work for one reason or another. But you, we, you know, as fans, you want someone that you can you you see through the the ranks. I think that it'd be amazing to have someone like that. I don't know. I don't know who who we've got there who could do that. I, I hope you know one of one of them does, or a couple of them do. Um, but as we get better as a club, as as we get you know bigger players, better players, it becomes it becomes a little bit harder, I think. Um, but Milos is certainly someone I always enjoyed watching, um, for sure. Did, did you see much of um, Ezekiel Fryers at all? The one that we did yeah, that bloody deal with. I did actually. I mean, he's a, another really, really nice boy. Just genuinely good human being. Um, um, and I saw him. You know, he played. He played for the under twenty ones. He also played for. Yeah, I think he just played for the under twenty ones. Maybe he didn't play for the next gen. No development team as well. Sometimes. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got a lot to learn. He's a young pro. Um, he's a good club to learn that. And you know, um, you know, we'll see what happens with him. And and he's certainly you know got the attributes to play. To play at fullback, he's quick, he's strong, um, but he's very young still. He's got a lot to learn, um, and hopefully, he'll do that at Spurs. You know, left back is an interesting position for us, I think, in the next couple of years. So, but then Danny Rose is coming back, and you know, I'm sure he'll get going again. Yeah, I think he's coming back and going out the door, mate. Like, I think I think he might get given a go. You know, like that. Have you, I'm sure you've seen that Grandpa Simpson gif, haven't you? That goes around on the internet, walks <laughs> in the bar door, walks straight back out again. Yeah, I don't know. I think he might get given a go. I don't know. I'm not sure. But you never know. I mean, you know, we've got obviously Kyle Walker at right back who's hopefully will build on, you know, learn from last season and move on and stuff like that. It's difficult. You know, it's a cutthroat world, you know. I mean, I remember when Kyle came through and he sort of, but, you know, obviously had his loan, you know, spells at um, QPR and, uh, and, and Villa. But he really surprised me um, when he, that first season, when he came in and, and really, really took it on and won, obviously, Young Player of the Year. 
Um, because before then, I'd seen him play at right back in pre-season. I'd seen him play at centre-back and, and he, I wasn't sure, really. But then he obviously, you know, just came out of really, you know, nowhere physically. I mean, Kyle Norton was the one that everyone thought was yeah. sort of the better player at the time. And, and I think Kyle Walker's obviously physically sort of filled out a bit more and is is ridiculously quick. Um, uh, and, 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 and yeah, you, you just never know. I mean, it's such a difficult thing to football development is... There's, it's just really difficult to know what's going to happen, but but you know I think you can tell, and the training centre will help because the training centre really is a place you know to do to develop um, people's skills, you know from from physically to, to on the football pitch. Um, uh, so I think that will just attract more players, and it will also develop the players that we have. Well, let's let's hope so. Um, I guess just closing up, Roberto. I, I think. Given that you're someone that has the kind of the inside knowledge, um, well, to an extent of, of no, how things work at Tottenham. <laughs> I mean, I'm in the know. <laughs> just for for Spurs fans when they're trying to communicate with the club. I mean, there's a lot at the moment, like with the drum, with standing, mm. which I guess isn't so much a club issue. That's but still trying to get the club to support safe standing and chanting and what have you, waving flags in the stadium, so on and so forth. I think there's a lot that the the fans maybe want to say to the club. I mean, what would you say, what would be your best advice for the fans in terms of having their voice be heard to the club? What would you say is an appropriate channel and a, a yeah. way in which to talk to the club? I'd certainly say, I think first thing is, is trying to get, to try to support the uh, supporters trust. I mean, stuff like that is really, you know, difficult to run. And I'd certainly say, those guys, um, you know, do a voluntary job um, to, for the fans. They meet with the club once a year, or if not more, I'm not sure, but they certainly def- they definitely meet once a year um, and they can bring issues to, to the club. And I think that's certainly one avenue is try to, you know, follow them and, and send them your, your, your question, you know, your feedback. And they do a lot of c- consultation, I know, um, about, um, st- I know they spoke to the club about StubHub and they put a Q&A and stuff about that. So that's definitely one place I would I'd go. But also to, you know, directly to, to the club on Twitter and, you know, certainly, you know, write blogs about it. Um, you know, they do, they will get re- read and, and the tweets and stuff like that do get read. Um, sentiment like that will get, will get seen. I think just try to keep it, you know, try to keep it in a, as, in a very, very, you know, in a, in a nice debate format rather than a real, you know, passioned call out. <laughs> I think that's the thing is is the difficult one. But I think the trust is a really interesting place. I think that's an interesting sort of forum for it as well. But yeah, if you tweet the club, they will see it. You know, and 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 if a lot of people, you know, like you know, if I was running a, a campaign on Twitter to get seen, I would make sure that everyone tweeted a certain thing at the same time for a certain length of time. Um, so if you you know if people want to get messages heard on Twitter to a brand, I'd say coordinate yourselves and do it at once. You know um, because people will read it and 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 they do want to hear the fans. I mean the fans are what what are the lifeblood you know the lifeblood of the club. Um, so yeah, those are the two things I think I, I would suggest: the trust and 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 you know tweet tweet the club um, and be be you know be polite as much as you can. <laughs> Right, well, uh, that's it. I've just basically, one thing actually, I forgot <laughs> to ask before. Sorry, it might just be opening a can of worms right at the end. But <laughs> were you ever told explicitly never to use the word "yid" in tweets? Um, I, I don't. I uh, not sure. Um, I don't really um, don't really have a comment on that one. Actually, either way, I don't. I never had too many discussions. About about that, really. I mean, it's, it's something it's, the club have. Obviously, obviously it's, a, it's a it's an issue. You know, not an issue. It's it's, it's something the club obviously you know engage the fans on a, a number of times. Um, it's certainly not something that I know the ins and outs of um, in terms of, of of how the club approach that their strategy with that word. In, in, in for me, um, it, it's not something I have had too much touch point with, to be honest. I guess as a professional, it's probably not something you'd want to use anyway. Like regardless no, of the, I mean, the tone, no. it's a, it's a, yeah. I think there's a, there's a point in that. I mean, I think it's something probably above my pay grade at the time. Um, and um, but as you say, you know, in terms of having a, 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 a tone for a company, it's not something that I used. Just you know, because <laughs> just, 
because it was just the way that I was running the account, but I never was involved in like um, any strategic conversations about it. This is just the same as saying, like, you know, were you ever told not to write fuck off back to Woolwich to the official <laughs> Arsenal account? You know, right? could you imagine? Could you imagine, though, if um, we lived in a society where football clubs were like that on Twitter? Well, I don't know. If, did you see Paddy Power and Labbrooks, their social yeah. media accounts the other day having a bit of a Barney? That was quite good. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. I just I wonder if I wonder what life would be like. I don't know if it'd be I think it would be pretty horrible, to be honest. I think it'd be, Twitter would be a, a strange place um, if it was. Um, I mean, I think some clubs are a bit more partisan than others. I think it's a bit. Sometimes it's a bit. I think it's difficult. You know, sometimes it comes back and bites you in the ass if you do stuff like that. Um, yeah. But right, well, thank you very much for joining us today, Roberto. It's been it's been no uh, worries. It's been very, a pleasure. Yeah, been very interesting. Um, if you want to listen to previous episodes of All the Roost, you can do so on SpursStatman.com. We're also on iTunes. Um, there'll be the platform there for downloading on Android phones as well on the website, that is. Um, also, be sure to follow us at SpursStatman on Twitter. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week with hopefully a talk about some of our Brazilian footballers. So tune in then. All right, thank you very much. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.